Welcome to Coffee and Jesus. I'm your host, Jael, coming to you from Texas. Today, I want to share with you my COVID testimony. Let me preface this podcast by saying it's up to you whether you want to get the vaccine or not, whether you want to wear a mask or not. I'm a firm believer in choice and you having autonomy as intelligent adults and parents. Um, I'm not here to advocate for either one. That is your choice. Okay. Now, having said that, most people will ask me if I had the vaccine or not when I contracted COVID, and that's neither here nor there, not really anybody's business. Um, People get it whether they've had the vaccine or not. Um, It's almost like the flu. Pretty much anybody is susceptible at any point. At this time, it seems to peak when it's really cold or when it's really hot, depending on the weather in your area. And that's pretty much what happened here in Texas in July and August. We just, it just ran rampant. And so what happened was my principal called me and said that a couple of my coworkers and herself included had tested positive and she asked me if I was feeling sick. Now that particular day, August the 16th, I did have a sore throat. I was a little tired and I had a little bit of a cough, but I was breathing okay. I didn't have a temperature or anything at that point. And so she said, well, I need you to get tested because, you know, we've all been in in-service together for over a week and we've all been in each other's faces and, you know, you need to get tested. So I did and I really didn't think anything of it. Sure enough, it was positive. Even though the test was positive, I still didn't think much of it because I knew lots of people who had contracted COVID and, you know, they were at home for a few days or maybe a week, and then they were fine. They weren't hospitalized or anything like that. And so I thought, you know, I would be the same way. So the next day, that was a Monday. And in fact, that was the day school was supposed to start. And I am a teacher. So school was shut down. Back to my testimony. So Tuesday, the next morning, I did have a fever. It was 103. My throat was still hurting. The coughing, the really bad coughing started and a little bit of the breathing problem started by that night and into Wednesday morning, everything just was shutting down. My whole body just changed in a matter of probably less than 24 hours. I was trying to write. I had hand tremors. I couldn't write. It looked like a three-year-old trying to write cursive. Um, Everything that I was trying to spell, it wasn't coming out right. I was talking on the phone. I was slurring my words. My coworker even noticed that I didn't sound like myself. So I decided to go to the hospital. I let my coworker know. She was kind enough to offer to follow me. And even in walking to the car, y'all, it's like my whole body, my brain, was trying to tell my body to do things and my body was just not complying. I could not walk. It looked like a drunk person walking. I had no control over my legs, my limbs, and I just was shaking and it was just awful. So I made it to the car. I was really starting to have 
trouble breathing to the point of where it scared me. Uh, we went to the emergency room. We were there for hours before I was seen because the emergency room was full, y'all, full of people hacking and coughing and having trouble breathing, just like me. I'm telling you, it seemed like Houston just, I don't know what happened, but everybody got sick all at once, just a whole bunch of us, so much so that the hospital that I went to, which was the closest one to me, they had entire floors devoted to COVID and they were turning away patients with other things because they were overrun with COVID patients like me. So my coworker, bless her heart, stayed with me until my oldest daughter came because at that point I hadn't called the girls I didn't want to scare my daughters. And I, you know, I just didn't know what to tell them. But they figured out, I left them a message. I can't even remember exactly what I said, but my girls are very good at reading me. So they heard in my voice that something wasn't right. So my youngest daughter sent my oldest daughter to my apartment. She didn't see my car. She knocked on the door. I didn't answer. So she called me. I told her I was at the hospital, which was around the corner from my apartment. So she came and then my coworker left. And the look on my daughter's face when she saw me, y'all, I must have looked really bad. She looked scared. And this is a child who's not scared of anything or anybody. And she just put her little head on mine. And we just kind of sat there quietly until my number was called. And when my number was called, she filled out the paperwork for me. She stayed with me until they made her leave. And when she left, y'all, that look on her face, she turned around to look at me. She looked at me as though she would never see me again alive. I'll never forget that look for as long as I live. And that scared me. Um, the doctors came in. They retested me. I guess they have to retest you to make sure that you really do have COVID. And so they did that. They started running all these tests. You know, then the, the traumatic experience began. One of the first set of questions they asked me was, when and if the time comes and your heart stops, do you want us to try to resuscitate you? When and if the time comes and you need to be intubated, do we have permission to intubate you? I have never been asked those kinds of questions in 57 years of life. And I have been in the hospital three times for long-term stays, meaning like three days or longer. And I've never had anybody ask me anything like that. And at that point, I was like, wow, this is really serious. I'm not going to be the, the easy case where I get to go home and stay home and take care of myself. They're actually going to admit me. It took a day and a half, almost two days for them to get me into a room because they were just overrun with COVID patients. But I have to say, 99.9% .9 of the people that were in charge of me, the nurses, the doctors, the respiratory therapists, they were so loving, so caring, so gentle, so kind, so attentive. It was still scary though, because they basically came in in what looked like hazmat suits and they would um, rip all that stuff off and put it in a bucket as they were leaving the room, you know, as if I had the plague or leprosy or something. Um, so that was scary. 
oh my gosh, it was just, I just can't even explain to you what it's like to not be in control of your faculties. I couldn't, I wasn't in control of trying to go to the bathroom. I wasn't in control of trying to walk. I wasn't in control of trying to speak. I wasn't in control of trying to write. I wasn't in control of my thoughts. My whole body just rebelled and turned against me and my brain just was not connecting with the rest of me. I found out early on that um, COVID was messing up my kidneys, that I had acute kidney failure, which I've never had in my life. They were having trouble um, with my diabetes numbers, the A1C numbers. They were having trouble controlling that. Um, my blood pressure was controlled. They changed my medication for that, but it was controlled. There was just so much going on, y'all. Um, the breathing was the worst part. I don't know if you've ever had problems breathing before or trying to catch your breath. It just felt like I was constantly being suffocated and I was gasping for air, fighting for every just inch of air that I could breathe in and out, inhale and exhale. Every time I tried to talk, I would start coughing just nonstop. I could not stop coughing once I tried to talk. So I couldn't communicate. I couldn't answer the phone and talk to my kids. They would call the nurse's station to check on me because I wouldn't answer the phone because I couldn't talk. Sometimes I was too weak to get to the phone or try to reach for the phone. I couldn't pull myself up in the bed. They had to move me all the time anytime I needed to be moved. It was like I turned into a 95-year-old overnight. So to make a very long story short, I was in there for a week. Um, I, have, I have to find that main doctor, a young Asian man who was in charge of my case because he was determined that I was going to live. He was determined that I was going to make it home. And I know that was God working on his heart. And there was another nurse who was the same way. She was talking to another nurse. They thought I was asleep. And I could hear the one nurse saying to her, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Why haven't you done this? And the main nurse would say, because she's getting out of here. She's going home. She's not going to stay here. She's not going to die here. She's going home. And so I thank God for those people that he put on my case. I must have had at least four or five different doctors. Um, they were all consulting with each other because all of my organs were shutting down. My liver numbers were wrong. My kidney number, um, numbers were wrong. My heart numbers were wrong. Um, just everything was wrong. And so I had lots of specialists come in to see me, to see me and try to save me. And so I thank God for that. Uh, there was one day, I was so weak, y'all. I was so sick. I was so tired. And I just, I could feel myself slipping away. I knew I was dying. And I just, all I could do was cry, literally just cry and say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's all I could get out was Jesus. And then I remember praying in my head. I don't think I said it out loud. If you're not going to save me, all I ask is that you take care of my girls. That's all I ask. If it's time for me to go home, I'll go home to heaven. That's fine. Just please take care of my daughters. And shortly after that, 
the doctors um, started trying some different things with me and my breathing was getting a little better. Um, I feel like I could have stayed in that hospital at least another week, but there were people much worse off than me in there. I can't explain to you how it feels to hear code blue constantly all around you all day long. To hear people coughing worse than you. To hear people running down the hall because of a code blue multiple times during the day. It was just really traumatic. I think I watched TV maybe twice for an hour each time out of the seven days I was there. I was just constantly trying to sleep and pray and just, you know, it was almost like my, I don't know. I just, it was just so traumatic, depressing. It just would have been nice to see anybody that I knew, but of course they couldn't come. Not even chaplains were visiting people. So you really are at the mercy of the medical personnel and just standing on your faith in God and um, his healing power and his promises that he's, he's made to you. And so I finally got out. I came home. They sent me home with an oxygen tank. I needed that oxygen tank for at least two or three more weeks um, because I still was not breathing well. I would try to walk from my couch to the restroom and I would be completely winded. And y'all, that's less than 12 feet from my couch to the bathroom. I mean, it was just a struggle to do anything. I couldn't cook. I couldn't lift a pot. I couldn't bathe myself properly or thoroughly like I would normally do. I know I'm telling you a lot of information, but this is how weak I was. I couldn't talk without coughing. I could barely walk to the car. Driving wore me out. Working half a day for four hours wore me out. I mean, it was just a bit much. And as a post-COVID patient now, three months out, I'm still having brain fog, joint pain, hand tremors, fatigue. And yet I'm grateful. I'm thankful I cannot complain because I'm alive. God spared me. He saved me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I just thank God for saving me. I thank God that I am better. I can talk without coughing. I can breathe without an oxygen tank. I can walk further than I had been walking. Even though this joint pain is severe and that prohibits a lot of standing and walking, I'm still grateful. I'm still grateful. I just have no idea how grateful I am to be alive, how blessed I am to be alive, how surprised I am to be alive. Alive, I am a walking miracle. One of my parents is in the medical profession and she said I should have been in the hospital at least three weeks with all the things that were wrong. Oh, that's what I didn't tell you. So double pneumonia, respiratory failure, kidney failure, um, hypoxia and hypoxemia, which means I was not getting oxygen into my cells or my blood. 
at the proper in the proper amount. There are things going on with my liver. My white blood cell count was off. I mean, <laughs> when they sent me home with these papers and I read everything in my report, I was like, oh my gosh, why am I alive? And the parent that I talked to, she said, you should have been in the hospital for three weeks and it's a miracle that you're alive. And that's how I felt like they had sent me home too soon, but I understood why they did it. And again, I just thank God for all of it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So my testimony is this. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter how sick you feel, how much pain you're in, I'm in pain right now with joint pain. It's probably an, an eight on a scale of one to 10. And I'm on here to encourage you all and to believe in the healing power of Jesus. God is real. He hears our prayers. He hears our cries. And I know lots of people with COVID have passed away. I don't know why he kept me. I don't know why I'm alive and some people aren't. I, I can't answer that. I just want you to know that I'm grateful. I'm grateful that for that experience. I'm grateful that I can give you my testimony. I'm grateful that I can encourage you to take care of your health, to pay attention to the red flags that your body is giving you, and to stand on the promises of God. I had nobody in that hospital but, but Jesus, and he was enough. He was enough. Sure, I wanted my daughters, but Jesus was enough. Sure, I would have loved to have talked to a chaplain, but Jesus was enough. He talked to those doctors. He told them what to do to make sure that I didn't die. I know he did. I know twice or three times I felt something or someone touching me. I don't know if it was the Lord. I don't know if it was angels, but I know I felt them. And I would open my eyes and no one was there. I know people saw angels in my room when they were praying for me. Y'all, this is real. You've got to believe me, this is real. I just encourage all of you to just imagine yourself in the arms of your loving father. Anytime you're sick, anytime you're going through a crisis, anytime you're dealing with chronic pain, just imagine yourself in Jesus' arms and be comforted by his peace and his presence. I pray that my testimony has blessed you. I pray that you continue to pray for me. I'm in a clinical trial study now for people with post-COVID long-haul symptoms, and hopefully that will help me to get um, completely healed. But like I said, I really cannot complain. I just thank God for breath in my lungs and for the use of my five senses and being able to talk again and and walk and work, even though it's part-time. He's taking care of me, and he'll take care of you too. I love you guys. Bye, y'all. Be blessed.